Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast on a Monday. Thanks once again for making us a part of your day. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined by Kyle Porter. Kyle, Pokes win. Pokes are uh, they're rolling right now. They got a big win over Kansas. Obviously, it's still Kansas, but they look pretty impressive doing so. What are your uh, biggest earliest thoughts? Well, my earliest thoughts were I, I don't understand how this team is 7-3. and three, Right? We go from talking about and we talked about this a little bit after the TCU game we go from talking about Mike Gundy is like you know what does he have to do over the next two years to get potentially on the hot seat to them having 10 games in sight I mean it, it, it's it's kind of remarkable what what they've done and uh, we can get into it in in more detail later but I'm just I, I'm I'm very surprised that we're sitting here at week whatever it is 12. Talking about OSU at seven and three, it's a pretty remarkable turnaround. You just think back to that loss to Baylor. They got to go at Iowa State, TCU at home. I mean it. It looked like it looked like they might not go bowling, quite frankly. So it's been a it's been a pretty dramatic turnaround, and we'll we'll break down what happened against Kansas and how they've gotten to seven and three but uh you want to get to mid first before we get to the mid first five yeah mid first uh go to midfirst.com slash pistols firing you can sign up for an osu credit card there school spirit november osu's rolling rolling towards bedlam 7 p.m night game should be awesome uh you can sign up now and earn 150 dollar bonus you can earn points burst our rewards options are available so go to midfirst.com slash pistols firing and uh, get your osu credit card today Carson uh you can use that credit card to uh, buy Bedlam tickets should be a fun game I was gonna say people should be way more fired up about this promotion now than they were <laughs> a few episodes ago I would say it was tough reading it after the tech game <laughs> yeah uh, get your card get some uh tickets uh, giveaways not quite as exciting but now that <laughs> Look, I mean, OSU's playing well, and I think number one on the mid first five was how was OSU seven and three I mean um there's a lot of reasons, obviously, but look, it's not as if Spencer Sanders and the offense have just been lighting up the scoreboard. I think it's pretty clear that they've ridden their defense to 7-3. and three. And Kyle, I can't remember, maybe 2009 is a year in which they kind of rode their defense. They were really good on defense in 2009. They really were, too, in, in 2013, but I feel like their offense was much better in 2013 than it was this year or certainly in 2009 when they lost Des Bryant. But it's been a long time. The point is, it's been a long time since they've been able to ride defense to wins, and that's what they've done, you know, three straight weeks. Yeah, they're getting a lot of turnovers. They've gotten 10 turnovers in the last three games. Uh, in Jim Knowles' previous, uh, how many have they played? 20? So they played 23 under Jim Knowles. Previous, the first 20, they got 20 turnovers. The last three, they've gotten 10. So they've almost gotten they've gotten a, thir a third of their uh, turnover production under Jim Knowles against uh, Iowa State, TCU, and Kansas in the last three games. And it's not like, I mean, look, is this the greatest 
slate of games in Big 12 history? No, but those teams aren't inept on offense. Iowa State's pretty good on offense. TCU can be good on offense. Um, they It's been really impressive what they've done. And I I mean, I wouldn't trust any – I wouldn't trust an NFL defense going into Bedlam as long as they're wearing Oklahoma State colors. But I do think going to Morgantown, you at least have to consider the fact that they can win games in multiple ways now in a way that I don't know the last six years it's been like, well, I hope they put up 50 because that's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. And listen to this. Oklahoma state is 29th in the country in defensive efficiency. That's, that's remarkable. Their, their defensive efficiency is higher than their offensive efficiency. Big time. 68.0 on defense, 64.7 on offense. That's pretty crazy to consider the defense pretty significantly, I think, outplaying the offense. That that hasn't happened in a long time. And, I th- again, I, got, I think you have to give a lot of credit to Jim Knowles. Look, I was ready to bury him after the first half of Tulsa. I mean, I think everybody was. Let's face it, it was – there were no positive signs since his hiring after that first half of Tulsa, really from the year prior into that point. And I think they played well at Texas. They got two turnovers, turnover on downs, and an interception on Sam Ellinger. They could have won that game. And and since really they've they've played other than the Baylor fourth quarter where they just gave up just massive busts in coverage. As a whole, when you look at their entirety of their play, they've been outstanding, borderline dominant, frankly, against Kansas State, against Kansas, you know, Iowa State. The turnovers they got—they've been outstanding. And and Jim Knowles is not in the running for the Broyles Award, that they've already—that's already come and passed. But the job he's done since that Tulsa game, I think, is Broyles Award worthy. I mean, he's been one of the better assistant coaches in the Big Twelve this year, if not the country. He's he's done a, a fantastic job. And and I keep saying it, like there were years prior under Glenn Spencer when they had those just those monsters on the defensive line where you and I would be on this podcast going why aren't they better on defense they have like dudes everywhere on the defensive line and they weren't getting stops they were just getting scored on left and right we thought the parts were greater than the sum now it's the opposite I mean they they have a lot of good football players but they have no guy that you're going to say is going to be drafted in the NFL high nobody uh Colby Colby Harvell Peel I think is having a first team all big 12 type of season uh, Malcolm Rodriguez is a great linebacker. Amen. They've got a lot of guys playing really good football, but no just great, great players. I think that's a testament to Jim Knowles and the job he's done. I'd like to congratulate you on not butchering the um, sum is greater than the whole of the parts. I Every time I start that analogy, I'm like, I'm going to screw this up, aren't I? It's like, <laughs> I, I can't it's like say a, it. I can't do it. It's impossible. It's like when you line up for a putt and you know it's not going in. It's like one of those. <laughs> Uh, no, you're right, though. It, it's uh, – <clears throat> and we talk about this, I think, after the TCU game. He was getting – he was he was rightfully getting a lot of criticism at the beginning of the year. They've turned it around. Uh, Colby Harvey Appeal is going to be – not only is he going to be all Big 12, but he, he's in the running for, depending on how they finish, like an All-American slot. I mean, he's been that good, and he's got five turnovers now. I think that's like top five in the country in terms of, uh, excuse me, interceptions. He's got five interceptions. He's got more uh, turnovers created than that because he's had a f- couple fumble recoveries. But he is uh, he's awesome. And, you know, we've talked about it. They only lose A.J. Green and Mike Scott. So this is a defense that, you know, we saw with OU, this stuff can change week to week in the Big 12 but or half to half apparently. But I think it's a defense that, 
Oklahoma State fans can be excited about. And, you know, we're on the verge of being able to, I think, really, like, trust them uh, going forward. Uh, trust, if not rely on. Yeah, I mean, I know. It's, I know. Which is, is hard to really, you know, get off the tongue to say that about uh, OSU defense. But that's that's pretty fair. That's how that's how good they've been. Colby, Colby Harvell-Peel is uh, T4 nationally in interceptions. So a kid from uh, Tech has eight. Kid from Minnesota has eight, seven. Yeah, eight. Oh. And then there's a bunch of guys with four. Hmm. So now he's going to make first team All Big Twelve, if not if not All American. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what people are going to. People don't watch every team <laughs> don't watch in it. every every game. They just don't. They don't have time to watch every game and break down you know, pro football focus style, every, every safety in the country, they're going to look at who's got a lot of interceptions. Oh, this guy, this guy's made a lot of plays. So he'll, he'll definitely, definitely be in the running specifically FBS guys, uh, for sure. Um, let's go. Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention on this, the offense, the last three games, they're only averaging 60 plays a game, Carson, which is, an almost like unfathomable number for the last decade of Oklahoma state play. The first seven games, they averaged 80 plays a game. They've ratcheted it down to 60. And some of that is like, some of that's dictated by the defense or by the, the other team that you're playing. You're you, when you play Kansas, you're not, I mean, they just, they're not like super fast. Cause pr- probably cause they don't know what they're doing half the time. But, uh, so some of it is like other team dependent, but Oklahoma state has not, They've really slowed the pace down, I think. They've slowed Spencer Sanders down, and I think it's been effective. I mean, Gundy's dream of wanting to be like Army and throw it 11 times a game. I mean, Spencer Sanders (laughs) is averaging like 14 passes a game the last three games, and it's kind of working. They definitely have slowed it down. Like, you just watch, you know, they've gone to a full huddle. I mean, OSU quit huddling back in 2005 (laughs) whenever Fedora came. So it's been a long time since you've seen a full huddle under OSU, but I think that's really helped him kind of slow down and, and digest stuff. And it's slowed down their pace, Kyle, but like even more remarkable about those total plays is all the turnovers they've gotten. You mentioned it. They've had 10 yeah. over the last, what, three games? Yeah. That's 10 extra possessions, essentially, and, and essentially in great field position, too, to where you think they could go score and get at least a first down. Uh, just there's been... I'd be interested to see, and I, I probably should look this up before, but just the three and out rate for their offense has got to be amongst the tops in the Big Twelve in terms of, ter- of going three and out a bunch. They they tend to do that a lot. You mean in terms of do, like being poor at it on offense? Yeah, they. I feel like they go three and out more than most teams. Like it's yeah. either scoring drive or three and out. It's either not much in between. Chuba for sixty, Dylan Stoner for seventy, or punt, punt, punt. Uh, right. Speaking of. Drew Brown. I got a Drew Brown thing. Did you see what, – what, what did you think about his – I mean, he played against McNeese. He played against Missouri for that matter, but whatever. This was his, like, actual debut. Spencer Sanders gets hurt, and, um, and Drew Brown comes in and throws a touchdown to Dylan Stoner. What, what did you think about his performance on Saturday? Well, he looked cool. <laughs> he looked pretty cool in the, the black, gray, black. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that, but um, I think this guy's a good quarterback, and I, I, I don't think it's just ludicrous that Gundy called it a close battle. I mean, I, I think, 
I think Sanders was always going to be the guy. Don't get me wrong. But I, I do think Drew Brown makes plays. And I do think he has an understanding of the offense, having been there as long as Spencer has. So I think, you know, I think you feel pretty good about him coming into games. And I thought the pass he had to Stoner was, was pretty. It was just on the money. And so when I'm talking about Drew Brown, Kyle, I think it, it lends to be asked, how hurt is Spencer Sanders? I know he left the game with a, a thumb injury. We don't know how severe or a hand injury. I'm not sure what they're exactly calling it. But is there a chance Drew Brown plays more against against West Virginia than he did against Kansas? I don't know. But uh, I think you feel pretty confident having him back there as opposed to, gosh, most most backup quarterbacks in the Big 12, don't you? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think my thing with Drew Brown is – like the thing that I thought about him on Saturday is just that I was, I was glad for him. You know, I, I think, look, we might never know why he transferred to Oklahoma state or what went down there, but it's really hard whether you're playing at, you know, Cali County or Hawaii or whatever to go from playing to not playing, no matter where you transfer. And for him to like, hang in, hang in, stick around, do, go through the stuff you know, help Sanders out, whatever, like that's, just, it's just hard. Like it's a, it's an adult lesson at a, an age where you don't want adult lessons, you know? And, uh, so I, I thought, yes, it's Kansas. Yes. It's a, it's kind of a blowout. I thought it was a cool moment for him and I was glad that he got it because he hasn't had any of those over the, you know, however long, what is it? Three years now that he's been there? Two years, uh, two years. No, it was, it was a cool moment for him, for sure. But yeah, I think um, there's some smoke around Sanders and his hand. Marshall Marshall Scott asked Gundy on Monday at his presser, what's the deal with Sanders? He said somewhat vaguely, I guess, uh, he was out there. What did he say? He said he was out there last night, talking about like Sunday night um, practice. He said... He was out there with us last night, but he has a little brace on. So <laughs> I, I don't know what that means, but there is some like behind the scenes smoke of, Hey, what's, what's actually going on here. And uh, I suspect we won't know anything until Saturday morning at 11. But if Drew Brown's starting on Saturday, a, I won't be surprised and B I won't be, I won't be super concerned. I, I don't think either. Um, now if Chuba has a little brace on, uh, I would be more concerned. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not as if it's not as if the offense really goes through Spencer, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like if he was the catalyst for everything and just throwing the ball all over the field, like he was against Oregon state, that'd be one thing, but they really turned into a conservative, you know, running offense. And I mentioned the third downs, Kyle, they're 92nd in the country in third down conversion rate. So Not that, that speaks that speaks to why they have had such few plays, despite having yeah. the defense giving them the ball back ten times over the yeah. last three weeks. They just they haven't been able to move the chains consistently. Yeah. Now they scored points. They've they put up points, but just uh, the the down to down effectiveness has not been there. They're the Aaron Judge of college football, strikeout, home run. Speaking of home runs, uh, Chuba Hubbard another another one twenty two. He's now fifth all time. The single season rushing list. He's got seventeen, I think it's seventeen twenty-four on the year. Uh he's gonna go he's probably gonna go into Bedlam with a shot at two thousand, uh, which is which is crazy. And now, like, look, I don't 
you don't want to see Tua go down. You don't want to see Chase Young out. But the the door is open. Look, Chuba's not going to win the Heisman. I think we've all said that all along. But a win for OSU in this scenario is just getting to New York, right? Like just get just get your guy like some some national publicity. And I think it, I think the stage is set for Chuba to put up you know, 200, 225 on OU. And uh, all of a sudden you're in New York with, with Burrow and with Hertz and with uh, who? Oh, Justin Fields of Ohio State. Did you hear what Gundy had to say afterwards? Uh, you posted the video of it. And uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I thought he made a great point in that he kept saying like, how many guys are going to rush for 18, 1900 yards this year? Not very many, right? And he's like, how many guys are going to throw for, for 4,000 yards? You yeah. know, 20 or 30? I mean, <laughs> it's it's a different game now. And the way I look at it, and Gunny was kind of hinting at this, but he didn't quite go there as far as just in terms of history. But, I mean, Shuba has a chance to get to what? 21, 2,200 yards? Yeah. Like, if he gets to 22, that would be the sixth best rushing season in the history of college football I, I know i feel like i feel like not enough is being made out of this right and um if he gets to yeah i mean uh, 22 will probably be top five i mean it's just what he's doing is historic and i i'm way more optimistic this week than i have been all season in terms of him getting to new york because you had the Tua tongue of iloa injury he's out uh chase young from ohio state the defensive player who i think for suspension deserved to be there. I mean, defensive players don't get rewarded enough in college football in terms of the Heisman. I thought Ndamukong Su should have won it in 2009. I thought he was the best player in college football. So, But Chase Young suspended two games. I don't think he deserves to be there missing two games. So I think two spots have opened up, and ESPN already had him at six. And I think he might have been behind Jonathan Taylor, which is an absolute L-O-L. atrocity. L-O-L. An atrocity, a joke. It's... It's just asinine that you would have Jonathan Taylor ahead of Chuba Hubbard. So I think he can sneak all the way up to four in terms of in terms of voting. So yeah. whether they take three quarterbacks to New York or that they take four, including him, it's always kind of a gray area, right? Remember, D.D. Westbrook and, and Baker both went for Oklahoma, and they, they took four people to, to New York. Yeah. Whereas most years, they just take three quarterbacks. So I think I think the lane is opening there, although I will say this. I was disappointed in – the Kansas performance. That Kansas bottled him up better than I thought they would. Yeah. I thought I'm a, I'm over here predicting he's going to rush for Samaj P. Ryan's record against Kansas, and he was bottled up for the most part. And I think his longest rush was like twenty something yards. So he'll need a much bigger performance. I, like and Gundy also talked about this too, Kyle. It's an interesting discussion. He was asked by Garen Emig of the Tulsa World, you know, where do you draw the line on trying to get this guy numbers and get him to New York and get him recognition versus you know, limiting his carries. And I thought Gundy was pretty poignant on that. He said, you know, like we, that's a discussion we have. And then he went into a spiel about numbers. So it's going to be fascinating to watch on the stretch. Yeah. I, I thought that was an honest answer. And look, like to your point, if he gets, so if he hits his average 172 over the last three, so West Virginia, oh, by the way, I think he's going to have just, I think his bedlam performance is going to be, like, like justice last yeah, year yeah. or 2017 justice? yeah i think i think that's what it that, that game's always like just weird stuff happens and it gets crazy like i i think i think he could go for 200 or 225 and i think if he does i mean i i think part of the problem is that like 
I mean, even talking to to friends who who like call, follow college football, they're like, "Who's who's the guy from LSU?" And it's like he's just not he's just not known. Like he like people don't really, for whatever reason, not that much has been made out of what could go down, you know, as one of the greatest rushing seasons of all time. If he hits his average, Carson, over the last three, he will be at uh, twenty four. No, twenty two forty two two thousand two hundred and forty yards, which would be sixth all time, that just would, behind Rashad Penny. Yeah, that would be Barry, and then Melvin Gordon, and then Kevin Smith, Marcus Allen, Rashad Penny, and Chuba. So, in which term, would be more? It'd be more than Derrick Henry, who won the Heisman in two thousand fifteen, his season. Yeah, and if you're looking at if you're looking at um, power fives, it would be Barry, Melvin, Marcus Allen, and then Chuba in terms of power five rushing seasons most yards all time i mean that, that's that's unbelievable that's if he hits his average that's a joke yeah and and why he's not known he's just he's not he's not on national television i mean hell one of the games was on espn plus this year for crying out loud so i mean that's why jonathan taylor is getting votes he's on big noon kickoff on fox <laughs> big you noon. Know, run, running all over michigan while chuba's on fs1 half the time so i think I think OSU's standing just in, in the national scene right now with their record, I think it's hurting them more than anything. Uh, you want to talk about Les real quick? Yeah. Uh, fun return. You know, I, I think that there's got to be a part of him that's like this clown that used to work for me that wears camo, <laughs> that wears camo, the coach is in camo, and has hair down to his shoulders, can't stop winning nine or ten games a year. Right, like that's there's got to be part of him that's like, what in the world? Like how how's you know? Um, I thought it was hilarious that he wore his LSU title ring. He was like trying to blind people in the suites with it. It looked like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. He's just his, his he's, Canes headset. He's his racing Canes headset. <laughs> he's uh, he's great. It's I'm always pro content, and uh, he provides a ton of it. Well, I just thought, you know, the photo op with with Mike Gundy and Les Miles standing at midfield with this really this this palace that's built around them now. And those two guys were were probably most responsible for it in terms of the football side of things. Obviously, Boone Pickens deserves a ton of credit. Mike Holder as well. But it was two eras of Oklahoma State football standing right there in 2019. I mean, Les Miles... Without Les Miles, I don't know if they get the stadium built because he actually like reinvigorated an entire fan base behind football. I mean, Oshu football was a dead program essentially. They played in a rusty stadium; nobody cared. There was no pride, and they, he beats Oklahoma twice, and then boom, they're off and running. They go to the Cotton Bowl. I mean, without Les, I mean, and just think about this, Kyle. Like Les Miles was not the coach at Oshu. They hired Dirk Cutter. I know. It was the Boise State coach at the time. It's an all-time what-if. And he went to Arizona State, did literally nothing at Arizona State, ended up coaching in the NFL, still is. But, I mean, Dirk Cutter has the personality of this table my laptop's sitting on. (laughs) And Les Miles was a force of nature and said, you know what? I don't care that we're OSU. I don't care that OU's better than us. We're going to go beat them. And I I think that is is a legacy that I think I think people focus far too much on how Les left and not enough of the positive things he did to get OSU off off the mat essentially. 
Yeah. So I thought it was really cool to see to see Mike and Les, and they've obviously buried the hatchet. They didn't get along a, a whole lot when they were coaching together, from what I understand. But it was cool to see that they they recognize each other's significance in their own careers. Part of me does wonder if Gundy just coached long enough to be able to wear his hunting gear on the sidelines. <laughs> he did. I mean, he's definitely wearing that to go hunt quail, right? Uh, or rattlesnakes yes. or whatever the hell he hunts. <laughs> yes. No, no question. He, I mean, this was his, like, this, this was his apex. Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Super Coaching Bowl. in camo with a mullet against less. I mean, <laughs> that's like, what? you're making $427,000 a month to be able to coach in camo against your old boss. What, what, what else do you want? I'm kind of surprised Mike didn't run out with the American flag himself. <laughs> Aren't you? I'm surprised you didn't run out with like, like all the refs run out with the whistles in their mouth and he's got a duck call in his mouth. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, Okay. Real quick before we get to uni review, we got a hit on it. It was preposterous, huge Oklahoma state implications. OU Baylor. I got a, I I got a stat here. Let let me, uh, let me find it. I, I don't know where it's at. Um, the record of teams that went down 25 on the road to AP top 25 teams in like the last 30 years. I mean, teams are like, uh, I'll find the exact number, but I think it's like two and 1300. So two wins, 1300 losses. And of course, one of the wins is OU over Baylor, which means that Unless TCU beats OU this week as a 19-point underdog, then uh, Oklahoma State's Big 12, huge backdoor Big 12 title hopes are going to be officially dead. Were you counting your chickens before they hatched in the first half when Baylor was just running all over OU? I wrote uh, 700 and I think it was 738 words that I had to... <laughs> Erase. Uh, here's the here's the stat. Yeah, you got it's, it. It's since 1996, teams trailing by at least 25 points on the road against an AP top 25 opponent are just two and 1,446. <laughs> both and both <laughs> wins have come this season. OU at Baylor and UCLA at Washington State this year. How crazy is that? It's insane. And look, Absolutely like nuts. there was so many crazy things about that OU Baylor game. I I think. Um, I think I think Baylor's pretty good. I think they should be. I mean, like, think about how close Iowa State is to being eight and two, and how close Baylor is to being like six and four, right? Yep. Um, but I I think they're good, and I think they just. It's almost like they got up by too much, and the moment became like way too big for them. <laughs> and, and I thought I thought Hertz was just magnificent in the second half I thought he was awesome and they didn't really like CD was out and they got a couple breaks but just the way he just kept coming I mean he ended with what 25 rushes 28 rushes he was he was awesome and uh Bedlam's gonna be fun man whether whether the Big 12 title uh whether an appearance in the Big 12 title game is on the line or not I just think like Hurts against Chuba um, who knows what you're getting from OU's deep. It's just, it's going to be, it'll be cool. It'll be, a, it'll be a fun game. Bedlam's going to be insane. And no, Baylor, Baylor's defense is good. I mean, their defensive line is awesome. They were making some hits that like flew off. You could hear the pop on the, on the TV. So yeah. that, that was impressive. Uh, tell me which part of this stat is more impressive to you, Kyle. The fact that 
OU since 1937 was 0-12 when falling down behind 21 points or more. They were 0-12, now they're 1-12. Is that impressive that they came back? Or is it more impressive that since 1937, they've only trailed by 21, 12 times? Yeah, and one of them was... Are you kidding me? One of them was OSU in 2011. Oh, my God. Like, 12 times since 1930... This is after the John Blake years. Yeah. When they were horrible in the 90s. Like, when people ask me, why is OU football a big deal? That's why. (laughs) Like... Are you kidding? Since 1937, they've only trailed by three touchdowns 12 times yeah, or more. It's that's it, just I, I can't even believe that's a real stat. It's unbelievable. And uh, man, I'm already the seven o'clock bedlam. I'm just I'm I'm gonna be there. You're gonna weird be things it. happen in Stillwater at night, don't <laughs> they? I know. Like and look, do I expect OSU to win? No. It's like expecting the U.S. to win the Ryder Cup in Europe. I just could it happen? Sure. Uh, (laughs) it's a great analogy should you expect it never like just don't don't set yourself up for that but i know it's going to be crazy and you know i think there's some delight in just like the absurdity of whatever is going to take place no matter the outcome well and what about the the stage for chuba hubbard national finally a nationally televised game yeah against oklahoma if he has the performance like like you expect and i expect i think that will be the you know, the gavel hitting the, hitting the, what the hell do you call that? Justice for all. (laughs) That would be the gavel slamming down on the, on the judge's desk, you know, like that (laughs) case closed. He might just book a, book a flight after that game. The other thing I was thinking about was, uh, is is Clack going to be on that game? The Fox game? I don't know. They usually do the, the noon, uh, the 11 a.m. game. Oh yeah. Well, if he is, he's, he's been one guy that's kind of been on him all year, right? Him, Actually, a lot of the five, like Reggie Bush has kind of been on him all year. Herbie uh, brought him up like week five or six. So yeah. like the best player. So, yeah, that's exciting. And, uh, man, I hope, I hope TCU beats OU this weekend. That would be, uh, that would, that would, I mean, it would, it would be good for Bedlam because it would be, there would be real stakes to get to the Big 12 title. You think, mm-hmm. I, you think Iowa State's going to win nine games this year? What are they at right now? Six, six, six and, and three. four. Six and three, no, six uh, and, no. yeah, six and four, six and four. Who do they have left? Uh, Kansas and Kansas State. Oh, they might win nine games. No, they're gonna win eight. Just think like, they're gonna lose one just of them. Like they always do. Okay. Uh, by the speaking of, they are. Uh, I mean, I didn't realize this. So they lose by one to. Ba- uh, no, they lose by two to Baylor. They lose by one to OU. They lose by one to Iowa, Iowa, Ugh. and then uh, so Oklahoma State is their worst loss in terms of like most most points that they've lost by, yep. which is in this crazy. I mean, they are so close to being eight and two, nine and one. Um, speaking of the Big Twelve, real quick before we get to unis, Eddie Radosovich, friend of the friend of the pod, put out a stat: uh, Texas has lost four games every year for the last decade. Stupid. How crazy is that? How is that even possible? It's 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 wild. I mean, I could I've like read the tweet like fifteen times. Um. Yeah. At this point, it seems like is this is this just a Texas thing? So they they keep hiring, you know, the top coaches in the country that are you know available. You know, Charlie Strong was at the top of the mountain with Louisville. Yeah. 
Tom Herman was, you know, LSU was fighting over him to get him to LSU, and yet the the same results remain. I don't know. It's how a school that has that many resources to their to their uh, in their disposal is just crazy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, the moment everyone's been waiting for. Let's get to this week's uni, re- uni review. I can't even talk. I'm so excited. Let's get to this week's uniform <laughs> review. Brought to you by Chris's University Spirit. Your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Carson, take the floor. Well, I'd wanted to see black, gray, black <laughs> since 2011. You sound like you're about to enter the presidential race. Yeah. It's something I'd wanted to see for oh so long. Oh so long. <laughs> And I wasn't even expecting a black numeral with a silver outline to accent the uniform absolutely perfectly. I wasn't even asking for that. I'd have been happy with an orange, a black. Doesn't really matter. But they topped it off to perfection. The pants with the OK State on the side. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely incredible. The folds of honor patch in black. The subtleties. The the Oklahoma State with the bucking bronco with the military logo spectacular i mean i could talk about these uniforms for hours uh, i guess i have to pick a uniform heisman though what, what was your favorite subtlety because there was a lot of different ones you had the you have the folds of honor the bronco the camo undershirt uh the, the camo undershirt was kind of underrated in a way i didn't you know it's not my typical pattern that i like but i thought that was pretty underrated yeah but that's not what i'm gonna pick though i'm i'm definitely gonna pick the logo that was on the hoodie you know, the bucking Bronco with the, it was basically in the military patch. Uh, the bucking Bronco military patch is what I'm going with. Yeah. Mine, mine was the folds of honor thing. Uh, somebody said, <laughs> somebody said they didn't like it cause it looked like an Adidas logo. <laughs> what? Oh, uh, I get it now <laughs> from far away. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But when you get up close, I think it's the coolest looking like, piece on the on the uniforms although i think you make the argument that the pants should be like in the in the rotation like full-time in the rota yeah like just throw them in there next week they're they're elite i mean oh so good yeah they're they're so so good and just again i'm just gonna say like you know we watched oklahoma and baylor like oklahoma's alternate uniforms Oh my aren't, it aren't in the same galaxy as OSU's uniforms. Yeah, the wood grain helmet and numbers is atrocious. We've talked about it before, but man, just seeing it in prime time, just whew, OSU does such a better job with their uniforms. Well, I talked. I talked to a, an OU friend at church on Sunday, and I was like, "What? What are they doing?" And he's like, "I don't know." He goes, "It is. It's a. It's awful." So it's not. It's not as if they don't like also real. And he he was like the thing that he said, which is true. He's like, I thought, I thought Jordan, I thought the Jordan brand would like help instead of hurt. I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. Well, yeah. They've, they've up, they've upgraded nothing since switching to Jordan. Yeah. And I think that that just illustrates the point that like, obviously, Oh, you did that for recruiting because recruits like new uniforms, but man, the execution was horrendous and they, they haven't upgraded them at all. They've just keep wearing them. So, uh, my uni Heisman is going to go to a player who really, I think is, been exceptional since Tywin Wallace went out. I'm going with Dylan Stoner, not just because he had another big game with with two touchdown catches, 150 yards, 
but he had the he had the sleeves working on the on the arm, and he he went full tights with it down low. I, I thought he looked um, especially military like. I thought he looked good. <laughs> yeah, it it was. Uh, he just looks he just looks fast. Yeah, in the way he wears his uni. That's all. Yeah, he was good. I'm gonna go uh, since we haven't seen him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Drew Brown. I love the sleeve. Uh, it looks like he's wearing two sleeves, but he's not. One of them's a tattoo. Do you think he wore the sleeve on the other one just so people could see his tattoos? Because normally people don't put the sleeve on the throwing arm. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think uh, he did. He's got great towel placement for a quarterback. He he just yeah he he looks good. I like it. He he wears a uni. Him yeah. and Spencer. Yeah, they brought sure. the visors too. For sure, looks good. Um, okay. But man, just once again, just final note, just exceptional job by Justin Williams and the OSU equipment staff. Like those those military uniforms can go really wrong. Yeah, and I thought those were probably the coolest ones I've ever seen. Yeah, they were they were elite. They were so good. Okay, let's talk. Uh, let's talk again about uh, about mid first Carson bank with a winner. JD Power, JD Power, highest satisfaction score for the second year in a row, and uh, Oklahoma and Reader's Choice Awards. They were the best bank for the sixth year in a row, and the best mobile app for the second year in a row, which is uh, really impressive stuff. So uh, they are uh, clearly impressive, uh, just like Oklahoma State has been over the last three weeks. And uh, yeah, you should check them out again. Midfirst.com/slash/pistolsfiring, and uh, it's time to hand out some BBs and bullets, Carson. <laughs> it's been a while. We had to skip a week. We had to do bricks and, and buckets instead. Bricks and buckets was a great recommendation. God, I can't remember the guy's name in the chamber, but uh, he tagged us and said, call it bricks and buckets. I said, well, we're idiots. You're smart. And we're going to start calling it that. So <laughs> once, uh, once basketball is full in full swing, we'll switch over, but uh, I'm going to go uh, bullet sticker to, uh, to Colby Harvell Peel. He's been, I mean, we talked about him already earlier, but he's he is uh, he's awesome. He's really good. I think you said no. You said no. Well, you said no high draft picks. I don't think he'll be a high draft pick, but I think he could be a pro. Just his size. Um, he's moved. He's moved positions around a little bit. Like he he's he he had to switch safety spots when Trey Sterling was out, and he just keeps making plays. Keeps getting picks. Uh, he's been really impressive and really kind of the anchor for them. I would say, along with uh, with Rodriguez and with uh, with our, our boy Amen, the other Canadian, uh, over the second half of the season. I like how you say Amen, not Amen. Well, amen. I, I I I audibled at the last second. I was going to go for his last name, and so I just I, it was a quick audible, and I was I was <laughs> my cadence was I was caught off cadence. I'm going to go with Dylan Stoner uh, again, just. He is OSU's passing game right now. He had 150 yards. No other player had more than 42. I mean, he he's really – and I said this too. Like, whenever whenever Tylen got hurt, I, I said, you know, Dylan Stoner is a guy who plays on the outside and, and goes deep. That's what he was at Jinx. He's not a slot corner that's shifty and just picks up first down. That's not what he does. He's a, he's a big play threat. And I think he's really, really, really stepped up without, without Tylen Wallace and – he deserves, you know, a lot of praise for that. And I thought he he recovered from taking a shot to the wall, too. Like, I know this is a discussion every time somebody hits that wall, but it is remarkable if you ever go down to the field at Boone Pickens how close those walls are to the field. And it's we're really lucky no one's gotten more severely hurt than, than, than they have in years past. 
Yeah, no, you're right. And every, <laughs> I feel like it's like contractual obligation for announcers to talk about how close the walls are because most of yeah. the time you get former Big 12 players calling these games and they're like, well, when I played here, and it's like, okay, well, we, we get it. Um, I'm going to go BB sticker to uh, Gavin Potter, this kid for KU. He's a freshman at a broken arrow. And uh, he got he got caught on film stomping on somebody during the game. By the way, we haven't talked about Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. <laughs> we can do that for one interesting thing. Um, so anyway, he got caught on camera stomping on somebody. But that's not even the worst thing. The worst thing is they showed his high school commitment video. And he went like, I mean, look, my man, you're the number 1,348 ranked recruit in the country. And he went full, like, f- fake out of, like, half the Big 12 schools. He he starts with a Kansas State hoodie. He takes that off. He's got a Texas Tech shirt on. So you're like, okay, well, that's kind of weird. He takes that off, and he's got his chest painted with the Kansas logo. And you're like, my guy, like, what what are we doing? Like, you're committing you're, – you're going to Kansas. I don't need – six layers of clothing to reveal your college choice. Just sign the paper. It was, I don't know what I watched, but it was not good. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I think I, I think I remember this commitment. Too. I don't know he, why I'm so worked up. He went full like wrestling heel with it, like full troll with it. I don't, yeah. I didn't really understand that. It was, I guess he was mad that in-state schools didn't recruit him, but it was bad. Not good. No. Who's your BB sticker? Uh, let's see here. Well, speaking of that, okay, never mind. I thought my 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 BB sticker goes to Spencer Sanders for his his teabagging slash hurdle of the Kansas player. I thought <laughs> I thought Potter might have been the guy that took the <laughs> took the junk to the face, but it was uh, another Oklahoman named Mayberry, uh, defensive back Kyle Mayberry took the teabag. So. Uh, uh, look, I get it. Sanders and, and Denton Ryan, you go queue up his high school tape. He's jumping over dudes left and right. He loves that. He tried it. Early, he tried it against Oregon State and took a big shot. Uh, I don't. I don't need QB one doing that, no. especially now if his if, if his hands hurt. But uh, <laughs> he had a, he had a good sense of humor about it afterwards. But uh, that was not uh, was not great. No, it it uh, it was it was not great at all. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and then we'll come back and wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986, and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise, and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head to toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, you want to take, uh, take Rudolph and, and, uh, and Miles Garrett, or do you want me to take it? Yeah, I'll do it. Okay. I mean... I just I watched it live. I just finished up our, our ten o'clock show and was walking to my desk and then the, the scuffle happens and I was like, Man, he almost hit him with his own helmet and then they show the replays and just I thought it was 
and you know, people have criticized Mason Rudolph for instigating the incident, which just is just flabbergasting to me. <laughs> like he has a 275 pound dude driving him into the ground well after the ball's gone. Like the guy's clearly just trying to beat him up and Rudolph is trying to get him off him in any way possible. And so when someone's laying on top of you and their helmet is on your chest, what other recourse do you have to get a dude off of you? Like you're going to push him in the helmet to get him off of you. And so all that aside, like people that are blaming Rudolph for instigating it is just absurd. And then the fact that he took Rudolph's helmet off and hit him over the head with it, he's really lucky that the opening of the helmet is kind of what hit Rudolph in the head. If it had been the crown, like, I don't know what would have happened. I don't know if he had had a, fractured skull i have no idea if it had been worse than that it it could have been really really ugly and it was a scary deal and i hated to see that for mason but i did love marquise pouncey the dude wanted garrett's blood once he <laughs> saw that he was ready to he was ready to kill him he really was ready to kill him he tried to stomp on his head like Mar- the pouncey twins don't mess around they're from the university of florida and i've heard stories about them they do not mess around so it's good that he came to his defense yeah it was the uh look like if if your take is that Mason Rudolph started it, uh, that's that says more about you than it does about anything else. I think, uh, look, like stuff happens in a football game. Like let's not kid ourselves. Like stuff, like the scuffle that happened before swinging the helmet. Whether you think Rudolph should have done it or not, that stuff happens. And like Garrett being on top of him, like whatever, man. Like that that's part of the deal. Like I don't I don't get worked up about that. But as I thought Stephen Mandeville put this well in the bullets today, he said, it's like if somebody threw a cup of water in your face and you hit him in the head with a baseball bat in <laughs> retaliation. Like that's the, that's the point here is the, like you, like that's not like the level of retaliation did not come. It was like worlds apart from like the initial, uh, the initial act. So it was, uh, it was wild there for a little bit. I mean, we, I was about to go to bed and I was just checking in on something and I was like, well, I'm gonna be up for another hour and a half covering this. Um, I was, it was just stunning. I mean, it, it was, it was scary. Uh, Cause I'm with you, like turn the helmet like a couple degrees the other way. And you're like, well, what does it look like then? You know? So uh, Rudolph did not have a good night and it did not end very well either. No. And I, I think the, the scuffle and the fight, kind of masked what the the biggest storyline was before that is that, you know, Mason Rudolph's not proving to be the guy for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's just, he's not playing well. I think he has six touchdowns and six picks in six games. Like, like we all think he has potential and yes, he's a young quarterback. Yes. It's his first year starting, but the NFL is a results based league. And if you're not, if you're not, (laughs) they literally don't complete passes past like 15 yards either. That's what the weird thing is. Mason was such a good deep ball thrower yet. They have him just checked down all the time, whether that's him or the staff. I have no idea, but just he has not been getting the job done. Yeah. No, he hasn't. Um, I did love Barry Trammell's line. He said when something like when, when Baker Mayfield is the adult in the room, that, that might not be here. <laughs> that, that might mean things have gone poorly. I thought Baker was pretty great afterwards. Like, he especially was great. since Especially since that wasn't like in the post-game press conference after you've had time to cool down. That yeah. was in the heat of the moment on the field right after it happened. He was that professional about yeah, it. Pretty it impressive. Was, it was good. It was good. Uh, okay. My one interesting thing, uh, we got, uh, we got a heat check 
uh, last five minutes from Lindy Waters against Yale on Sunday. He scored, uh, I think he had like eight points in the last two minutes or something like that. He had a couple threes, hit a fadeaway to kind of seal it. And uh, it was cool to see because he, so he did this, um, this, uh, I don't know if it's a ritual. I don't know what you call it, but he handed out gifts to kind of people that have been meaningful uh, at Oklahoma State after the game. So Mike Boynton got a gift. Uh, Mike Holder got a gift. Just all these people that have kind of been in his life. And they wore the the uh, N7 uniforms, the the whole thing. And so for him to to put up 19, for them to get to 4-0, for him to kind of close, shut it down like he did, uh, that was a cool moment. And, you know, you can talk about like, and I have seen people talk about, well, they shouldn't be getting pushed by UMKC and Charleston and Yale. And, and it's like, look, like this is college basketball. Like it's not – it's not college football. Like game, like mid, you know, Kentucky loses to Evansville. Like this is this is what it is. And I think the fact that they're 4-0 is a good sign. I mean, obviously it's a good sign, but I I think it's a bigger I think it's more important than people maybe like give it credit so far. Yeah, I I agree. I think I think Yale's going to win a lot of games, might even win their conference. Yeah. So, I think that'll it'll look good in the long run. Yeah. But um I did think the the stuff with Lindy and, and Mike Boynton was clearly moved by it. I thought that was pretty cool. And, and we'll, we'll save the N seven uniform review for next time. <laughs> I like, I thought they, they looked a little better, but that's, that's a tease for next, next show. Yeah. We'll talk about it next time. Uh, okay. Carson back later in the week, preview West Virginia, uh, maybe signing day or, or the early signing period ends on Wednesday. Oklahoma state had uh, a kid in on Sunday on an official visit. So, might have more news on that front, uh, but either way, we will talk soon, and uh, I'll see you then. Does he play safety or cornerback or defensive <laughs> tackle? He plays power forward. Yeah, I know. It's funny. We've, we've shifted to basketball recruiting. I know. I, my head is, is, uh, is spinning. but uh, I like it. Yeah, should be fun. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.